Welcome to What's Wrong with Wolfie. Podcast dedicated to the pop culture of the 80s, 90s, and zeros. My name is Jason. And I'm Rich. And I'm Chris. With the new Doctor Who episodes airing soon, it seemed the perfect time to jump into the Who universe and visit a time where Doctor Who had found itself being dragged out of the void by Russell T. Davis and co. Christopher Eggleston stars as the Ninth Doctor in the Series 1 of the 2005 reboot of Doctor Who. Wanna come with me? Because if you do, then I should warn you. Because if you do, then I should warn you. You're gonna see all sorts of things. Ghosts from the past, aliens from the future, the day the earth died in a ball of flame. It won't be quiet, it won't be safe, and it won't be calm. But I tell you what it will be. I'll tell you what it will be. The trip of a lifetime. Of a lifetime. Doctor Who, Saturdays at seven on BBC One. Great trailer, I love it. That's so good mm-hmm. to go back to and rewatch. When I was trying to research um, which one to choose, landed on that one. But welcome to our Doctor Who episode. And uh, yeah, as I said in the intro, it's the perfect time to jump in with the with the new Doctor Who starting this month, and we're all very excited for that. So great opportunity to uh, jump back and what we're going to do is just concentrate on the christopher eccleston era of doctor who which was just the one series unfortunately um and we're just gonna have a discussion about that you know we'll 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 have a chat about our doctor who memories and how we came about to watch it i guess and um favorite episodes and um yeah i think just just have a, a a little discussion just on on some of the episodes as well in in the Christopher Eccleston uh, series. But to start with, I guess we'll just go around and just have a little conversation about our own personal Doctor Who journeys, if you like. I think I'll I'll start first. It won't it won't take long. Like I always remember growing up with and seeing uh, clips of Doctor Who on the TV and such, and I always used to think that Doctor Who looked crap. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> It, uh, it did. <laughs> I mean, God, if, if I've learned anything from my player over the last couple of weeks, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I never really gave it the time of day, I guess, when I was younger, because just of that fact alone, yet coming from a child's mind or a teenage mind, you know, and I kick myself now for being like that when I was younger because I was denying myself, I guess, from some really good storytelling just because they, I don't know, they didn't have the budget or anything like that. So yeah, I I I just skipped Doctor Who. I didn't think it was very good, and uh, yeah, I just decided just to go off and watch Star Trek instead, or and everything else. So roll around this time when they announced this re-release, you know, this reboot of Doctor Who, and I was kind of intrigued by it a little bit, but I never watched, I never caught them on TV. 
and I wasn't that excited about it to watch on TV, telly. What what I did was I waited until they came out on DVD, and then I'd I'd heard about the hype, and I'd heard about how good they were, and I was intrigued. So I think they were coming out. I don't know two or three episodes on a DVD. So I decided to pick one up from W. H. Smith after work because at that time I was working at the Disney store at Lakeside, so it was it was uh, Ooh, quite easy. W. H. Smith was right next door, so I was like, "Oh man, you easy, worked easy. at a Disney store? Why, Jason? What? What's I wrong never with that? knew. I never knew you worked <laughs> at a Disney store. I did." What, what what did a Disney store look like pre-acquisitions? Because I can't imagine now of a time when it was literally just like Disney stuff in the in the traditional sense, not Marvel and Star Wars and you know and weird and Indiana Jones. <laughs> well, we're tangent it already a little bit, but um, it was like um, yeah, it was just all the Incredibles and all that kind of stuff. That was the kind of time the Incredibles come out. Um, and I remember the trailer for that just looping on the TV and over the sound system of the shop uh, every shift I was on. And I'd uh, I'd literally had enough of that by the second day of of, of, of the trailers playing. Um, <laughs> but uh, I loved it at the Disney store. I thought it was, it was a great company to work for and uh, they really looked after you. You, know, you felt like you was looked after and like the perks were, were great. Ooh. You know, you, you got discounted theme park tickets for Paris or Florida. Um, and you could. Buy, the best thing was is that you could buy all the DVDs at stock prices, like all the Touchstone, um, Miramax, Disney. You know all the all the companies that Disney owned at the time. Um, yeah, you could get nice. them at you get them at stock price. So yeah, yeah, I picked up quite a lot of DVDs when I worked at Disney Store, but only and I only worked there for two years. But um, yeah, I think a DVD was coming in at like six pound, six seven pound or wow. something. So <laughs> nice. Yeah, it was all right. Unfortunately, Doctor Who wasn't in that. So. No. Soon, well, soon it would be. Ironically, yeah, it soon. wouldn't be yeah. now, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I picked up the DVD. I thought I'd give it a go. And, uh, yeah, I just absolutely fell in love with it, and I was hooked. And, um, yeah, I carried on watching it, uh, picking up the DVDs as they were released. And, uh, yeah, eventually just, just started catching the new series on TV, and, and I went from there, really. So... And and I became quite, you know, I, I was I was there. I was a Doctor Who fan, but only from the Christopher Eccleston years because I, I still wouldn't I still wouldn't go back to the old stuff uh, for for quite a long time. And I think it's only recently that I I have and catching some of the old stuff through the tales of the TARDIS episode I watched. And uh, yeah, it was really really good. But yeah, Rich, what's your uh, Doctor Who journey? It starts quite hazy i do have faint memories of just i'm not sure if it was like a friday or saturday evening but i do remember some episodes of sylvester mccoy whether they were like first run at broadcast or these were like more recent kind of like reruns i don't know because obviously the show either was entering or already hit its uh death spiral by then you know near cancellation but I just faintly remember seeing Sylvester McCoy and uh, Ace on my TV. I remember seeing the Brigadier. It's re- very vague. I couldn't tell you what episodes I saw, but that was where it began for me. And then roll, you know, go a few years later, and I started seeing the uh, the trailers on BBC One for the uh, upcoming TV movie. 
and I think we're at that time where we're very impressionable and it was like kind of on the diet of things like X-Files, all the Americanized TV. And I was like, oh, it's Doctor Who. I know Doctor Who, but this is American. You know, it's like, oh, American. It's important. You know, we've got to watch it. And I just remember being drawn by that initial trailer in what, early 1996. Watched it when it aired on that Saturday night. Loved it. Watched it a few more times because I taped it off TV. Loved it. But it was this very self-contained thing. I never thought that we would enter a new era and it would come back and I'd consider myself an actual fan. I watched it like it was just a movie because it was, all intents and purposes. It was self-contained. Mm, yeah. But yeah, that was really it. It was, and then obviously, what, nearly 10 years later, again, we started getting the trailers for the uh, the reboot under Russell D. Davies and... I mean, well, it's only still 2005, but I feel like even then it was still in an era where we weren't obviously reading stuff online. We weren't subjected to trailer drops on YouTube. You know, it was still the early days in a way of that kind of distribution. So it was very much watching the trailers on TV, getting hyped. You know, every time the ad came on with a big wall of fire behind Eccleston and, you know, Billy. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, yeah, I'm watching this. I can't wait. I knew Doctor Who. I didn't watch it, but yeah, I I wanted to be a part of the ride. I wanted to see this thing coming back. It felt important, and I kind of got swept up in the hype. So that was really it for me. Really, yeah, it was a bit patchy, um, but yeah, it just kind of came about quite organically. And then here I am, maybe twenty years later, still talking about it. So <laughs> crazy, uh, Chris. Exactly the same as you both. <laughs> I think we're all cut from the same cloth. And I vague memories of Sylvester McCoy and Sophie Aldred. Again, almost identical. It was on in the background, probably repeats at that point. Because what, 89 in the last episode? So I'd have only been about four and a half, five at that point. Jeez. So I just had very vague memories of them and hearing Sylvester McCoy's. Oh, that man's an absolute ray of sunshine. Again, it waned, and I was a, kind of a snobby kid because I, I very much like Jason. I was like, "That's British sci-fi done on a Blue Peter budget." Okay, <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I'm just gonna watch Star Trek: The Next Generation, which looks polished and yep. it looks gorgeous and high. So I was, yeah. And then, again, like Rich said, the years went by, and I actually remember it quite vividly. Um, a friend of mine who lived around the corner, we're still close now, she brought round... Do, do you guys remember the TV Quick? Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, we, we were a TV Quick household, not a Watson TV. That's that's a, that's a magazine for bastards. So. Yeah, <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> I, I remember vividly they came they came around and maybe we went out playing I don't know at that point with the TV quick and she was like oh you you like sci-fi don't you look Doctor Who's coming back and I was just like um I I've never been a Doctor Who fan and how old was I in 2000 uh, what twelve about that yeah yeah pretty and much I saw like a two-page spread and i was like this looks amazing like rich said it's americanized oh yeah. my god the costume looks amazing oh my god is that the tardis oh my god it's humongous like you you just get hit with that that buzz of like this is something really different and new and it's exciting and 
it's got Paul McGann and it's like this is gonna be great and it it kind of was I have a soft spot for the TV movie um because that was my introduction to Doctor Who I'd never watched a full episode and again like Rich that night I was in my room I was like I put my TV on and I'm gonna watch it and I was like this is totally awesome at the age of 12 when you're like oh my god it lo- looks amazing it had that lovely polish to it still the best arrangement of the theme tune as well oh my god oh god that orchestra and they they flip the middle eight into the beginning and it just sounds so epic and it, it the... did have that early 90s american sci-fi as well the way like the title kind of came into shot i mean again i wasn't watching star trek but i thought hey, this is like what probably a star trek show opens up like it felt like early 90s u.s sci-fi yeah uh, it I was, was like i was there for it completely yeah and like you guys have said it was fresh on the coattails of star trek was it his biggest at this point you had at this point what babylon 5 you had various star trek things and they had to step up their game because if they made it look nasty it wouldn't be a success kind of wasn't um but that was my introduction to doctor who and yeah about a decade later i remember seeing that it's coming back and then the cast came out and i was just like i'm a bit older now i'm was it first year at college at this point and i was excited i was like this looks awesome and the trailer was modern and it hit all those marks that you need i was like that's that's doctor who and it's back and it looks better than ever i remember watching the debut episode rose at my girlfriend's flat she's now my wife everybody um in 2005 she was at work and I'm going to an honest little ropey old CRT TV. <laughs> right. Oh my God. Like it, it doesn't get more exciting than that. There was no high definition broad. Well, like not like today. And I was just like, like a 14 inch portable TV in my girlfriend's bedroom. And I was just like, I watched it all <laughs> on sort of subpar sort of grainy broadcast <laughs> waves. I still even remember as well, like that night, like even the, they made such a big deal of it. Like I even remember like the continuity announcer and they were just were like, oh, it's, it's time he's back. And it's like, I forget what they said after that, but they really just got you ready for it. Like seconds before you know, it actually started. I, I just thought it was such an event. That's probably the long, the last real true like Saturday evening memory I have when it comes to television. What's what's quite lovely is I actually, you know, me and my memory's like a hard drive. It's a curse and a blessing at the same time. <laughs> and who's hard drive? Um, yeah, it does. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> I completely, I, I completely missed that then. <laughs> anyway. And it's it's kind of weird. Me and Rich would text each other because we were the only two friends within our group who were into the same kind of stuff. And I just remember flying messages like <laughs> Saturday nights after Doctor Who, like, did you just watch that? And it was it was great. I loved it. and I loved it. The the buzz in the air for this show was amazingly electric. It was it was everywhere. Yeah. Woolworths had a whole row of toys. Russell T. Davis knows what he's doing and he's doing it again. But obviously yeah. he had a big part in that yeah. to, uh, you know, plan to build up the excitement to say Doctor Who is back. Doctor, you know, we're, we're bringing Doctor Who back and we're going to, and we're bringing him back properly, you know, for them to 
for the BBC, I guess, to like actually say, yeah, okay, let, let's pump some money into this. Let let's see what let's see what happens with this first series and 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 see what happens, you know. And it and it was it was an event, and it and it just blew up, didn't it? Mm. I mean, like from from the beginning of this series to the to the end, like the difference is so I don't know, so different because you got at the beginning, you know, where Doctor Who was it's kind of a dead show, it's a dead, dead series. You know, we had, we had the TV movie, and then after that, it was nothing. But mm. by the end, it was a Christmas Day special. I still remember that was such an event. Like, I love exactly. Christmas Invasion. I absolutely yeah. love it. <laughs> the first thing I remember as well, and even watching it, watching a few episodes earlier tonight, like I forgot how much just real like pep and energy there is in that first series. Like it is just like constantly moving. Like, and I'm not to say the show like really slowed down in the in the following years. Like as we got into deeper into like you know the Moffat era up until you know uh, Jodie Whittaker um, and Chibnall but I was just like this is like proper like just breakneck television like you've just got Eccleston mm. talking so fast and you've got that really like slightly cheap sounding Murray Gold score that isn't like Murray Gold we know <laughs> it's just like zipping along it's all like really kind of it wasn't synthy music but it's properly like little like library music mm. <laughs> just chucked in there it was like really stock stuff but yeah the show just i think that's what worked because it was easy to think about oh yeah doctor who that stuffy little british show they got got cancelled in like the late 80s or whatever it was and now this show was properly for like this new generation and without like betraying what came before but it just had so much energy and I just I can't see how it wasn't ever going to appeal to us and obviously it it worked for a wider audience you know it wasn't just people that were invested in you know the franchise and had that like brand recognition from before it's funny how it's kind of almost become cyclical in a way like we actually mm. got deeper into the Moffat era and the show kind of started to turn back into what it did mm. with McCoy yeah. where it's like oh yeah there's a few people the diehards are still watching but everyone else is dropped <laughs> off and you know rumors of it being cancelled and thank Christ mm. we're in the era where we are now because I'm more excited than I have been since 2005 so I think you you hit the nail on the head there was like it was so open to everybody like mm-hmm. it didn't, it didn't, it didn't tread on on the history of Doctor Who. You know that the, it was a new his, new history being made. I guess because and and that's what made it so accessible. I guess to to lots of people because there, it wasn't bogged down by that history, and and people could just walk in and just enjoy a um, a new story every every week and and just see what you know what the Doctor and Rose was going to get up to this mm. week. But you know, as it went through the sh- the series, you know, it, it kind of started creating its own lore, I guess, and 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 its own history, which mm. then these people were were being a part of mm. uh, to to drag us through to to the future series. But and I think that's one of the things I really liked about this show. One of the things that I forgot about this show, about this series in in general, was how much it played on Rose's family and mm. and her mum. I kind of forgotten like how you know how much they they brought in Rose's mum and was 
going, uh, is she going to be safe? Can you promise she's going to be safe? And playing on the the emotions of, of the mum and the family and the boyfriend and, you know, Mickey or Ricky. I thought that was just a, a, the perfect kind of ingredient to, to get into dog. the show. <laughs> <laughs> that was a that was a deep cut and off. Uh. I always loved how he called Mickey Tin Dog. I was like, oh, this is like, <laughs> I'm the Tin Dog. <laughs> I think that was the beauty of Rose as a character, though. Like, obviously, from the very beginning with the episode Rose, she was so much like the avatar for the viewer. You know, she was mm-hmm. asking the Doctor questions without it being like super, super, like you know, exposition dumps. He was, you know, telling her where he was from, and then by the end of that series, he was explaining the regeneration process to her. So for all these fans that were like, "Oh yeah, Doctor Who, this is new to me," they were getting all this information that introduced them to the law, and it wasn't like like just being an incredibly nerdy sci-fi show. It made it really digestible, and yeah, he didn't get lost in it. It was relatable, but, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah he that went was down. So. And that was the genius of no disrespect meant to anyone was appealing to the soap opera generation where yeah. Yeah. instead of going on this whole alien alien weirdo traveling in a box with an assistant, um, you make it accessible to a point where you have a modern family living literally as blue collar workers in everyone knows those kind of people at school most of the audience were probably those people growing up at that point as well it was a lovely honest performance from all of them and it worked because i have friends now who are like 12 or 13 years younger than me who were about eight or nine and i was at college and i'm like okay yeah and they were kids watching new doctor who and it was kind of a reality check so like we were watching kids we were kids watching doctor who in the 90s (laughs) it's so weird but also what i wanted to bring up was i remember the papers were like oh they're not or publications they're not going to show the regeneration and russell was adamant is like that's not going to happen because you tune into this new show the first thing you see is an actor that's not been in the papers or the um the magazines for the first five minutes what the fuck's going on it and i'm going to say it now and you don't you can read into it how many times do we have to see batman's parents die yeah or uncle ben get gunned down or mowed down or you don't what are you talking about i don't know that happened <laughs> you just don't need to see it and that's why they killed Aunt May in the last one to keep it fresh. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah. But by throwing the audience straight into an adventure, and like Rich said, slowly building the universe up around that, it works because you've not got this, you're not clinging on to the history, you're respecting it, but at the same time, respecting the audience to go. Oh, he's regenerated. We're just seeing his current face. Uh, when I when I watched, rewatched Rose a couple of days ago, and I and I was a bit like, oh, well, I don't know if I'd like to have seen the regeneration, in, you know, into Christopher Eccleston, Doctor Who. But I'm thinking about. It, I don't think it just doesn't work because you know, after a regeneration, anyway, the Doctor's always discombobulated, 
and exactly. doesn't really know where he is. And we, we don't want to spend all that time in this brand new show uh, waiting for the Doctor to become no. who he's going to become. Um, no. And so in that sense, I think they probably were right not to do that regeneration in this and just go jump straight into after after he's been regenerated yeah. from, from Paul McGann. You, you jump into an established character narrative rather yeah. than confuse the audience as to what's going on. Yeah, and I yeah, I appreciate that. And I, w- I will say, you know, I, I really appreciated um, them concentrating more on Rose in the first show uh, and not on the Doctor himself, you know, because it could have been... Mm quite an easy thing to do for them to 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 concentrate on the new doctor and everything but they didn't they spent quite a lot of time in that first episode especially at the beginning on rose herself and her day-to-day life and everything and that's yeah. something that re-watching it now i really appreciated that they did that yeah, on the subject of regeneration again though like even i'm skipping ahead to the last episode now but even the way they depicted Exton himself regenerating it was done in like a positive like mm-hmm. joyous kind of way he was like so welcoming of it and i think to have done it any other way david tennant you know very like mopey <laughs> you know self-important oh i don't want to go it's very emotional you know, yeah it was because at that time you'd already invested in it and you understood it but i think for new fans for the regeneration to be this like like traumatic thing where you were watching the doctor you know freaked out by it it would have been too much and it might even have just put people off coming back Mm -hmm. for the tenant show whereas they kind of their first regeneration now was it can they can look back as a positive experience whereas i look back at matt smith's regeneration i'm just a bawling mess even now yeah yeah never look back at positive i like try uh, and not watch it because i'm like i can't yeah. cry much more <laughs> like with with matt smith's regeneration like the ninth and the eleventh doctors are the only two in the modern era who have actually been kind of happy and positive hmm. about changing and that's even in matt smith's final line is we all change and so must i don't and that kills me it. every stop time. It, Chris. Stop it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I had this thing with Matt. I always Smith remember and, the Doctor was me. <laughs> and I'm just like, and he just embraces. And again with Eccleston, you put the, you put the audience at so much ease to accept what's going to happen, hmm. and he's jovial about it. Yeah, it's almost like, like you're you watching know. like a loved one. It sounds very morbid now, but it's almost like you're watching like a loved one pass, and they're yeah, putting you at ease. Like this is going to happen. Yeah, and it's going to be all right. You know, you, I know you've just joined us on this journey, but it's going to be okay. You know, please come back for the Christmas special. Yeah, <laughs> but even 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 in the writing, right? It's like you know, but you won't you won't see me again. Well, not this daft old face, anyway. But oh, he's basically saying that he's going to be the same person. He's just regenerating his face and body. Yeah, yeah. And again, to five year old children. In five seconds, you've made them understand the process. Moving on. Done. You know, we've we've talked about 
Eccleston and Billy a little bit, but like, I want to talk about Billy Piper, I think, um, because it was a bit of a shock. Because we want to. Oh, no. So it begins. Sorry. It was was a massive shock to me, though, to see Billy Piper in this. And I think that was something that really, like, do I do I do I want to watch this because it's got Billy Piper in it? Because like she's this like she's a singer, she ain't an actor. And yeah, it's going to be terrible. But she did all right. She did she was more great. than all right. Yeah, she was great. Apart from when she came back for the uh, day of the Doctor and she was a posh. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. Billy Piper oh, forgot like- to be Rose. I oh, Rose Tyler, and she clearly had like work done on her teeth i don't know mm. <laughs> you, you can say that about david tennant now he regenerates and he's got the queen's english yeah. and then in the christmas invasion he's the old cockney cheeky chappy yeah 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 obviously hadn't quite got the, mm. got the characteristics in there had they it was an emergency regeneration wasn't it they needed an actor and david tennant have been on casanova Mm. So, uh, so as it ended, it was just like, oh yeah, we'll just write it in. And all of a sudden, like, David, could you possibly do a Cockney accent? <laughs> yeah, but what what do you think of uh, Billy in, in the series of Doctor Who? I thought she was fantastic. And again, people our age just knew her as a teeny bopper, multi-million record selling phenomenon who married Chris Evans. Um, and then married Lawrence Fox. And, yeah. <laughs> Best thing she ever did was divorce him. But yeah, she's fantastic in the show. Like, But I remember, and probably like you guys, like Billy Piper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In like, Doctor Who. And it was all over the tabloids. Like, you know, the, was it like, I watched a YouTube video about early, early Doctor Who tabloid coverage and shit. And it was just like, you know, former teeny former teen pop star new doctor's assistant and i was like at the time what okay and then all of a sudden that opening episode like who the fuck Mm -hmm. is billy piper the pop star Mm -hmm. yep she's actually gone away retrained to be an actress and was damn fucking good yeah absolutely yeah she she nailed that character to a t you know I think that's probably what worked in her favour as well. Not necessarily having I mean, we don't I can't speak for what her early experience was as an actress, but if she had any prior experience. I think what helped was because she didn't have this like real acting pedigree and she was like a pop star, the performance just felt quite honest and it felt real. It wasn't like she was acting, you know. It just felt like a real person. Mm. And I think that makes it so much more immersive and you don't feel like you're just watching this performance. It feels like she's just this girl that works in the chippy, you know, and one day meets this magic man in a box and, you know, is inquisitive and curious. And, yeah, I just it's how it just works. Like, it just works. I, th- I think the acting paid off. The acting class has paid off for Billy because, like, especially as the series progressed and she got more involved with the Doctor, not in that way, and like the repercussions started bouncing back on her and her family and everything like, but her, her acting just seemed to improve by the end. It was so believable that she was Rose and not Billy that, yeah, no, I was just really impressed by her. And I really like the character yeah. of Rose as well, really like down to earth, a uh, London, Londoner character. And I think that probably worked in its favor yeah. as well, because it had that, 
had that character that yet again was just quite relatable to a lot no, of totally people. Agreed. I mean, I'll always favour like a more grounded kind of companion over sort of these like uh, more heightened elevated companions and i'm not dumping her because i still think she's great but like when you got to like stuff like clara and that it felt too she felt too big and important and i sometimes i like I, no i do always like the companion to be just more that kind of every man every woman relatable like when it started off with like rory and amy it's like, oh yeah they're pretty down to earth and then it suddenly is like oh yeah they're the parents of river song blah 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah blah and it's like it just gets too bloated yeah they're the most important people in the universe (laughs) with russell's first three companions they were just normal martha donna they were just normal people that he picked up and then all of a sudden yeah like rich said you've got the ponds and you got clara who no one knew what to do with clara and jenna coleman yeah she was strong but i mean just that character was all over the show i mean let's talk about eccleston a little bit before we move into our favorite episodes of the series and like we've kind of already talked a little bit about his performance as the doctor but he was so likable from the instant that you saw him like you warmed to him straight away and you're as a new person watching doctor who um you you instantly just took to him i guess and i think that helped as well we're with really liking the show Watching the episodes and getting slight hints about what happened at Gallifrey and and his involvement with the Time Lords and things like that, knowing what I know now, like watching back and seeing the kind of like little hints that they dropped when he did get sad was, uh, yeah, it was very clever. But yeah, again, you know, Chris could just change his face, couldn't he? Like one instant, he's like beaming massive smile Mm -hmm. on his face and then you know and then he could also just pull off this really solemn saddened look as well and it was quite remarkable actually i I think i think the acting that he he produced for this show was was just amazing 100 percent. i mean Um, he was a real i I think he's probably more of like a classically trained actor but he just has so much presence and I mean, before you even get to his actual performance, but even his look, similar to how I always looked at like Matt Smith as being a doctor who looks youthful, but also an old man. Chris Eccleston, he mm. looks alien. And I don't say that in like a shitty way, like he's got big old ears mm. and a big nose. Yeah. <laughs> but he's that kind yeah, of slightly gangly physique, you know, he's a <laughs> tall guy. He looks extraterrestrial, but he looks human and he looks or he is just so warm and compassionate and excited and giddy. But then, yeah, he has that really weighty, like when he needs to be that like, angry um, edge about him. Um, mm. I think sometimes what I used to find is one of the things I never always necessarily liked about Tennant, who is a successor to him was, um, Sometimes I felt David Tennant feels like he turns on emotions on and off like a tap, where it almost feels a bit contrived. External to me felt way more natural. Like I still now I think about that episode Dalek when he's like horror at seeing you know a Dalek again. And then knowing it's in captivity and it can't do anything. And then he's kind of like full of joy and like just giddy. He's like goading it. 
to the moment when the Dalek says to him, you would make a good Dalek, mm-hmm. and then the fucking, like, like how pissed he looks and just how dare you say that to me. And he just yeah. told it through his eyes. He didn't do some big speech. He just looked pissed. And, yeah, I'm, like, really sad now because we all got swept up in tenant fever, I think, when tenant came along. And I really wish we got way more Chris Eccleston because he's so bloody good. Like, he's so mm. good. Rich nailed it with those eyes, man. It's all in those eyes. Whereas David Tennant was constantly... I like David Tennant, don't get me wrong, but the intensity in Eccleston's eyes, that doctor could fuck you up with just a wrong <laughs> word. Yeah. And it was the unpredictability. Whereas with Tennant, you, you kind of expected... the you expected, you just... Whereas Eccleston's doctor, you really felt that that dude was unpredictable and natural as possible as i think any doctor really just it's again like rich said brought up dalek you've got that scene in the in the cell and it's these lights just come alive and it just says the doctor oh the the way it is set and performed is this it's not going to be a tangent, but you know you know that shot in Raise the Lost Ark where the the gun goes off and Harrison checks himself mm. within a quarter of a second and makes sure he's not been shot. Eccleston yeah. does exactly the same in that small room where he can't believe the voice he's hearing or the lights that he's seeing flashing, but at the same time knows exactly what could happen mm-hmm. in that room and he's locked in there with it. You see all of that in less than a second on that guy's face and his body language. And it's sublime. And to bookend that at the end where he's going to blow the Dalek out of out of its shell. And he just stops and says, they're all dead, Rose. They're all dead. My people. And you're like, fuck. It took that point in his to finally admit what happened. And it's powerful. And it's a shame because Elkriston's range again, was so vast. The expressions that you can get just with a frown or a glance. Yeah, it's just, it's only now, the older I get, the more times I watched him, the more I respect what that dude was trying to do. Yeah, yeah. No, even even if we just got another series of him, it would have been, would have been lovely. But well, yeah. we've got big Finnish audios. He's doing those. Yeah, yeah that's true. Which is really good. Yeah. I just imagine like later series with like, Eccleston and that like proper heightened production and that proper Murray Gold score. I just, I, uh, oh, I need it. <laughs> so it's your fault, John okay. Barrowman. It's all your fault. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Yeah, we don't mention that name. <laughs> oh, we're gonna. We will. Oh me. God! <laughs> yeah. I know we kind of have to. Well, let's let's take a short break. Uh, we'll, we'll listen to some music from, from Doctor Who, and then when we return, we will uh, have a chat about some of our favourite episodes from the from the series. Favorite episodes. I mean, quite hard to choose because there's some 
actual stonkers in this in this first series, which obviously helped it gain its popularity as well. Because there's some stories in this, there's some stories in these episodes that are out there, and I love it for it. Like I don't think I've seen some of the stuff that they did on TV before, and the imagination that ran throughout this series was was just top notch. I loved it, and even rewatching back some of the episodes. Recently, I kind of forgotten about some of them. I kind of forgot about how far out they kind of went with some of this. And this was a Saturday night primetime TV show. And they're, they're bringing out, you know, aliens and skin suits and, you know, and, uh, and other things that we're going to touch upon in a minute. And it's just, it was, I don't know, it's just really like refreshing to see these stories being told to me one of the things that just gripped me and, and carried me through to wanting to watch more and see what they what other stories they could tell me. But we're just gonna choose one episode each from from the series and just have a quick chat about it basically. So so let's start with Rich then. Let's have a bit quick chat about your favourite episode of the series. Um, my choice is the empty child. And why are we chasing it? It's more than dangerous and about thirty seconds from the centre of London. <laughs> Are you a doctor? I have my moments. They've all got the same injuries. Right down to the scar on the back of the hand. Physical injuries as plague. Hello. Hello. Shall we have a drink on the balcony? I like to think of myself as a criminal. I bet you do. So yeah, so Empty Child was the episode where Rose and the Doctor wind up in, you know, wartime london we get introduced to captain jack you know <laughs> say no more and yeah i i love it i i'm not always been someone that's necessarily been the biggest fan of historical episodes which sounds really odd yeah. i like more kind of i want the fantastical and to go to an alien planet sure i even though it's an improvement on just like a grounded episode where you know it takes place in like a council state somewhere you know to me historical still feels kind of grounded but obviously you know with this episode in particular it really chucks the horror elements at you and it does so many things that just make it work and to me it's it's the shining light of this season you've got the little i forget the kid's name now you know the little kid with the gas mask face that always says you know are you my mummy it's terrifying just... it kind of appeals to some of the stuff i was into around that time like if you're into a lot of the um conspiracy and the uh weird like alien stuff it kind of has notes of um black-eyed children <laughs> i knew you were going there <laughs> yeah which is if you don't know what black-eyed kids are they're not black eyed peas, they are black eyed kids. They're weird kind of kids that dress in older sort of period clothing. They, they apparently smell as well of like sulfur. And they will come to your house or they'll come up to the side of your car, depending on where you are, and they'll ask you if you'll let them in. Yeah, they need a help. They need they need the phone, they need to call their parents to pick them up. And the idea is you don't let them in, because if you do They'll just strip you of your soul and you'll cease to exist. And this really, I, I refuse to believe that Stephen Moffat, who obviously wrote this episode back when we liked seeing Stephen Moffat credited as a writer. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, <laughs> I refuse to believe he didn't draw heavily from Black Eyed Kids. There's not so much in this episode, but Chris's choice, there's hints of kind of, it feels a bit like a zombie film as well in one certain scene. It mm. just ticks so many boxes for me. You've got Richard Wilson in this episode who gives some incredibly chilling like exposition dialogue when he's explaining about the people whose faces have like fused with a gas mask who will kill you with a single touch in that they basically are victims of a plague, but it's a plague by physical injury. Someone dies from a bomb blast and then everyone they touch becomes the same as them complete with the same injuries it's horrifying uh, especially the bit when richard wilson says how basically uh, i forget exactly how it goes now not they're not they're not dead they don't know how to die and they just keep living and they sit up in bed they don't react to anything they just stare and then they lay back down again i'm just like i was watching this tonight and i was like getting chills like, this is <laughs> horrific like some of the most disturbing stuff you'll see with Richard Wilson outside of the episode where Victor Meldrew gets killed in a hit and run. It's looking, it's, I was really like, this is gripping. And I forgot what an actor, what an actor Richard Wilson is. Like him yeah. and Christopher Eccleston sharing the same like scene, um, Doctor and Doctor. And it's terrific. Rose is fantastic in this. I mean, yeah, we introduced the Captain Jack, a character. I never really cared for. I found him kind of. I kind of found him annoying, which is probably least of our worries now. The more we know about him, uh, on the old shoulder. <laughs> um, <laughs> this episode just does so much right. It, it looks lovely. I mean, you can say what you will about this initial series. CGI is a bit on the rougher side compared to what we got later, but some really nice stuff in it. Like when you see, you know, Blitz London, a rose is hanging from the barrage balloon, and you're seeing all the spotlights and explosions and all the German bombers. I'm like, this is cool. And I was watching it on my phone, so obviously it kind of masks some of the ropiness, but nah, I was completely sold on it. I was loving it. Really good episode, a really great episode, fantastic bit of like proper who horror. A good period episode, which is, again, not always my cup of tea, but this is probably my favorite one outside of uh, A Good Man Goes to War. And um, mm. was it Family of Blood Yeah, in later series with Tennant? That, to me, is like my favorite period episode ever. But yeah, this, to me, is just, it's the shining light of um, Eccleston's run. It's just fantastic, and it's, it's just creepy as all hell. And it has a fantastic line as well at the dinner table when uh, they're talking about uh, Nancy when she gets the gets the meat for the you know the homeless kids during the bombing raids and she takes them into people's houses and they eat all the food and Eccleston says how um I'm not sure if this is a Marxism at work or a, a West End musical <laughs> and <laughs> so I, I, I didn't appreciate that line back in 2005 and I was on the train tonight I had a good chuckle I was like I love it fantastic yeah brilliant episode definitely my favorite um sorry Chris I got there first over to you <laughs> I wanted to say about this episode but quickly was was as well I loved the beginning of this episode where the TARDIS phone rings. Yeah, that's creepy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the the puzzled look on the doctor's face of this like phone that's not connected to anything is ringing. <laughs> is it, what am I supposed to do with a ringing phone? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a it's a dummy phone that's not supposed to ring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Correct. Uh, yeah, so I, just, I just quite appreciated that little, little. I know, I know, it feeds into the plot, 
as well. But I did, mm. I did like that that little giggly bit of, about it. It was good. <laughs> when I look back on this show, when I when we decided to do this one, and the first instant memory that came back to me was this episode, just because of the gas mask children mm-hmm. and the "Are you my mummy?" thing, and and even now, like if anyone. Even when you just said that, Rich, like I you know, just got a little chill of like, ooh, you know, comes, the, comes out the record player, the gramophone as well. It's like, oh, yeah, mummy. It's like, yeah, no, ah, I don't like it. Yeah, I'm going to discuss that scene at length in a minute. Um, <sighs> all right, we'll, we'll, we'll let you off your chain in a minute, Chris. And um, just the whole idea of this, and we're, we're talking at the beginning of the section of like the imagination of the the stories that were told, and this is the purest example of that. Like that, this whole idea of like Jack Harkness purposely sending this med- medical thing down to Earth so he could come and con, con people, and you know, there's these like invisible, I can't remember what they call them on the show, like nanobites, basically, aren't oh. they? To, and that's what's happened with this. It's just brilliant, and the whole like fusion, fusing of the gas mask to the skin, like. Yeah, again, I watched this on my phone, so probably covered some of the the things. But I just, I was just really like impressed on how well they did that. Like it looked mm. proper, looked really good on the 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 grafting of of the gas mask to the skin. It just, it just, just creeped me out, man. Just, yeah. uh, just, ooh, no thanks. I mean, the, the moment, the moment of Richard Wilson like turns as well is like it's, to me, it still kind of holds up. I tell, <laughs> yeah, when they. Like, as well and they're like yeah. the lenses are like ah. <laughs> when they turn man it's just the most horrific thing and this is yeah, again this is on saturday early evening prime time you know telly yeah. and there's this per this is character on tv who's like literally having a gas mask come out of his mouth yeah and it was horrific even yeah. now I, even yesterday when i watched it and i was like i was looking at it and i was just awestruck awestruck at watching this like gas mask come out of this bloke's mouth you know <laughs> No, I just still, I still just couldn't believe what I was seeing. You know, I was, I was, I was very busy at work, so I miss out on a lot of our daily group chat. Um, and when Rich chose this, I was like, "You absolute bastard!" <laughs> I was like, "He's, he's going to cover both episodes." And I chimed in. I'm like, "I'm going to do part two, um, and that's the Doctor dances." I don't know what's happening here, but believe me, I had nothing to do with it. I'll tell you what's happening. You forgot to set your alarm clock. It's volcano day. <laughs> okay, that door should hold it for a bit. The door, the wall didn't stop it. Oh, don't move. Go on, ask me anything. I'm on fire. You got the moves? Show me your moves. The world doesn't end because the doctor dances. Stay back. <sighs> Mommy. Doctor. Secure those gates. Right. Just do it. All that weapon's tech in the hands of an hysterical four-year-old looking for his mummy. And nothing in the world can stop it. Me and Rich share like a kinship for horror, and um, to say that Stephen Moffat is not a horror fan would be some injustice to this dude because he can write some shit and good shit at that. To say that this and like the Weeping Angels were not inspired by his love of horror, it, it would be silly not to link the two because this is primetime family light horror and it works. The, you get that anxiety feeling you don't know what's going on everyone's turning into gas mask people asking if people are their mummy i just 
when they're trying to work it out and at the opening of this episode, the doctor figures it out and says, go to your room. Uh... And he just says, I think three or four times, go to your room now. And then you're like, what the hell is going on? What have we missed? And it's setting, it's setting that seed as to the audience to try and work it out. What's going on? They just all kind of walk away and go back into bed or where they came from. Without missing a beat, you get Stephen Moffat's writing at its best. Oh, thank God that worked because it would have been very interesting <laughs> if it didn't. <laughs> and, you're just like, and then it just smash cuts to the credits and you're just like, what? <laughs> it's like, oh, and yeah, the, the first part just sets this up beautifully and it, the scene that has me in stitches to this day and also it's very anxiety-ridden. But also, this episode being the second half is very emotionally charged when everything comes to light halfway through. And this scene when they're in Constantine's lab, it's very, very 1960s, 70s horror where they're being stalked through an old building. Mm. They don't know where they are. They don't know how they're going to get out of this. And then they find some tapes in a psych unit, basically. And they start playing it. And it's a psych, it's psych evaluation of his kid. And then it's it keeps going. And then you just hear, are you my mummy? And you assume that it's the tape recorder just playing. And Rose turns around and says, what's that noise? And the doctor just says, what? What's that noise? And he says, what noise? She says, that noise, that that." That that clicking, knocking noise. He says, "That's the end of the tape. It's been making that noise for the past thirty seconds." And then they turn around, and there's the young kid with the gas mask asking, "Are you my mummy?" In the room, and it's just like, "Oh my god!" These five year olds who are watching this right now are just traumatized yeah. for the mm-hmm. rest of their lives. But the gag about the radio, oh, that's the end of the tape. It's been like that for 30 seconds. <laughs> the doctor's just the doctor's just standing there just waiting for something to happen. And it's it's glorious. But the the second half <laughs> And again, it's Equiston having so much fun in oh, that he's, moment. He's loving it and, his whole show. Like, and he bless it, like his career has always been that kind of like alternate drama kind of edge to it. You know, the taboo dramas and stuff. And then all of a sudden he gets to let his hair down and this just glorious comic moment where he just smiles and grins, even though they could possibly die within the next 10 seconds. And he's finding it the most entertaining, fun moment of the entire thing. It's just glorious. (laughs) (laughs) But again, that's, that's Doctor Who. He's been a manic kind of genius numbskull for 50 years 40 years at this point hasn't he so yeah um, yeah the second part is just again is just full of staple beautifully done horror moments you get that emotional punch where the doctor figures it out as to why these gas mask people are asking this young woman are you my mummy because as it turns out she is the mother of is it jamie the young lad yeah, I think so, that's yeah. it. Yeah, and he was raised as her brother, but in actual fact, she was a teenage mum. And at this point, I can't believe two thousand and five was eighteen years ago. But at this point, even in two thousand and five, that was a very taboo subject, and to be addressed on the BBC in two thousand and five was, to me, I feel a landmark moment. Yeah, 
basically it was the writers and producers saying to the young audience you are not alone in your herd it's a lovely moment because she kind of breaks down and says well the doctor says everything for her and she just basically agrees and she walks up and they read her dna and they rewrite humanity essentially in this war-torn part of london and it's a lovely episode just for that moment alone and the horror aspects are just brilliant that's what's great about it though isn't it it's like you, you we've had all this horror and we've had all this build-ups to make make us think that these are all bad people yeah. bad things out to to hurt us and at the end of the day well you just described there you know and and how the story ends and it, and it ends such in a heartfelt way it was just a beautiful story really in the end yeah and it's i think it's Stephen moffat at his early um best um obviously we knew he would he was the writer of The Curse of the Fatal Death, which at that point had been like most people's entry points to Doctor Who for comic relief, which is gloriously mm. done. His penchant for taking the ordinary and not making it a big bad. And actual fact, it's a hospital ship that didn't know the difference between human DNA and leather and glass. So the big bad was just doing what it was programmed to do, fix people and then move on. And... As for Captain Jack, much like Rich, I never felt connected to that character, or John Barrowman for that matter. Nothing personal against the guy, well, not at the time, anyway. A lot of his performance just felt very over-rehearsed and mm. just reading it. You only get all these over-rehearsed things and you say, oh, you're just reading off cue cards to get your check. He's very much, he's, he's just, he's Saturday Night Light Entertainment. Yeah. The man. <laughs> just like, yeah. it just is like, you're just too much. You're overbearing. Yeah. You should feel like you should have been in another show. Yeah. I just felt watching this episode yesterday that there was no chemistry between him and Billy Piper. Mm-mm. And no. it got to a point where I was just like, this is feels really forced. They're just delivering lines. And I just didn't feel any connection with them, even though you were supposed to. Mm. And it's those lovely moments between the Doctor and Rose when she says to him, you, dancing, and he's picking up on her being happy around Jack. He's given her a zing for life that I, I don't know where it was going, but he says, I've been around a bit, 900 years. Of course I've danced, and she doesn't believe him. And then after this moment, you see a reg, because I think the vibe they were going for with Eccleston's Doctor was this, traumatized born out of war character archetype that had fleeting moments of sadness but also could be manic and extremely happy and supportive the next Hmm. and the episode ends on such a lovely note where he is responsible for saving the human race again and he has literally a spring in his step at the end and he puts on some music the TARDIS flashes like a 1940s disco with the lights going off and he starts to dance. It's a really lovely episode and you see Christopher Eggleston at his happiest, I think, in this episode. Yeah, that's just my pick and it was a perfect sequel to Rich's. I tell you, there was one other scene that I really sat up at in this um, second episode and that was when Nancy got caught in the house Mm. um, and she was being held prisoner by the dad of the the man of the house and all that waiting for the police to come like she basically was like she started ripping into him about the food on the table and all this and that and basically just accused him of be having an affair with the butcher mm. to to be able to get the posh meat what you were saying about the the teenage pregnancy 
thing. And then they're alluding to this man having a gay relationship with the butcher. Mm-hmm. And again, I was like, I, I, saw, I, I sat up and I was like, wow, they, they, they addressed that in, uh, in, on, on a BBC primetime TV show mm-hmm. as well. I mean, you see, like, through that whole that whole first series, well, no, no, not the whole first series, but, yeah, beyond as well with him, there is quite a number of, like, queer-coded characters in it. Mm-hmm. Like, in Gridlock as well, there's, like, the other lesbian couple. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's... They're everywhere, and I do kind of love it. And I even remember at the time, even at the time, people moaning on the boards and the cynicism of... Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's being yeah. forced. Oh, it's like... <laughs> But it's nah. not because I was at I was at college at this point and I knew many gay people yeah. and they were my closest friends at college. And yeah. I can't stand this one dimensional thinking of people, the kind of people who watched at the time they watched fucking Trisha and Kilroy and <laughs> Kilroy. You know, those type those type wow. of fucking those type of fucking people. It's just like it wasn't forced. It wasn't a gay agenda. It was little things just peppered throughout to basically say to the community, we love you, we hear you, and we support you. Yeah. And it wasn't a it wasn't a gay showrunner pushing his agenda on young people. Yeah. It was reflecting the times, and that's what things like Doctor Who do best. They reflect the times, they move with the times. And then later on, obviously, they would make Jack overtly, you know, pansexual rather than just hinted it was nice to have that that realization and unfortunately still taking a long time to it to be accepted in certain circles doctor who's gone woke chris it's gone woke <laughs> it's like yeah. the show with the man that would never <laughs> use a gun and always you know went places and you know wanted to you know just bring peace to you know planets yeah. and doctor who has always been woke <laughs> it's woke <laughs> it's always been that way as like when people say star trek's got political it's always been, always been political <laughs> political yeah. that was the point of the of shows to reflect the time if Did you want the some... first series was produced <sighs> by a woman and a and a, a gay man yes. of colour. Yes. Like, it's yes. just the most... In the 60s. Yeah. <laughs> and and that Indian chap directed the first episode. In 1963. Ironically, played by Sasha Dewan. <laughs> yeah. In, who was later the master. Oh, and hell. you're just like, oh my God, just stop. It was 1963. Mm. And the BBC weren't afraid. Back in the 1960s, female writers weren't really allowed to be credited with their real name. They had to use pseudonyms, Mm. masculine pseudonyms or initials. DC Fontana in Star Trek being a prime example. If she called herself Dorothy, she wouldn't find work ever again because it was a misogynist, you know. But for the BBC in the 60s to go and fucking, even the music was composed by a middle-aged woman in the basement of the BBC Television Centre. <laughs> but Doctor Who's going woke. Get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that was, yeah. a tri- that was a trigger point. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? Sorry. <laughs> People are idiots, anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's get on to my pick. And uh, I nearly chose Rose, really, the, the first episode. That was, that was, that was quite close. But it, in the end, I chose Aliens of London. Big Ben destroyed as a UFO crash lands in central London. You are under arrest. 
invading? The only way to invade, putting the world on red alert. By God, I'll put this country under martial law if I have to. This is the one where the is it the slithine slithine yeah yep. they 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 come down to earth to um, basically sell it. They want to ruin it. They want to kill the human race, and then they want to sell the planet to somebody and make lots of money. That that's the end goal of. <laughs> They're goofy as fuck. I love, I love the fucking Slitheine. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> have you, have you got a flatulent soundboard ready, Jason? For random. Yeah. <laughs> we'll put they're it just, in post. They're just dickheads, and I love yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> just fucking arseholes. <laughs> just like. Anyway, Jason. Yeah. Sorry. So yeah, uh, the the way that they've decided to do this is to come down to earth and then wear these skin suits to make themselves look human. And try and get themselves into the um, into the government, into the British government, so they can pull off this plan. But like, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's it's just I don't know where to really start with this. Doctor um, Who's woke. It won't go political. It won't <laughs> poke fun at British establishments. That's, that's, that's new. That's new Labour for you. <laughs> I think I fell in love with this episode as soon as the first fart noise came out. I have to go there. Sorry, um, yeah. it's just it was just funny. Like I don't know. Like we've just seen the spaceship crash, crash through Big Ben into the River Thames, and then we cut to like the the prime minister's been injured or he's dead. I can't remember what it was now. And like this guy has to take over because he's the next in he's the next person in line. Um, and then he's going upstairs and he lets one out. And I'm like, okay. To quote Aid Edmondson, let no one tell you that fart humour is not funny. <laughs> uh, it was quality. And I was just, I was like, where are we going with this? But like, oh, it was brilliant. Like, uh, where else? I don't know where else I could go with this. Like, oh. <laughs> I loved how they, um, I loved how they did the transformation when they wanted to take the skin suit off with the zip on the forehead and like that like blue glowy light come out of it. I do think they did it a bit too often. I did get a little bit mm. fed up of them coming doing that. That would probably be the only knock against the episode, I think. But um, yeah, I love the, the whole. Fast, but... Yeah, I just love the whole transformation. <laughs> and... but we'll, but we'll let the uh, the rubber the people in rubber suits running through number ten. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> yeah, I love the design of the the slithine. I thought they were. I thought they were brilliant. Um, kind of cute, but like yeah. not but terrifying at the same time. Yeah, they've got those big old like pucker lips, and they're just. I liked them, and I and I liked the. Um, then we yeah, again bringing in uh, Jackie, Rose's mom, and Mickey in, into the story, and like we had this whole like subplot of them being terrorised by this one Slitheine who was pretending to be uh, I don't know some important police dude, and, and we kind of saw that side of it, and we, we had all the stuff going in Downing Street, and then we had the stuff going in the in, in the flats. Um, I love that yin and yang of the of this story, but. I also kind of like this because it introduced us to Harriet Jones. Um, uh, because I love Harriet Jones, I thought she, I think she's just a quality, quality character. I love her. 
and all the alluding to her becoming prime minister and everything. And... Oh, pickle! I didn't want to be a bother. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, she's always, she's always gonna she's gonna be Sean Sean's mum until the end of time. Yeah, no. Just... <laughs> oh. Yeah, and I, I love the act. Yeah, I say action, like you know, like when when they're getting chased by the Slitheen and they're they're running. They they cut to that shot, don't they? And like they run through the right door, through to the left, and then they run off. Scooby Doo shot, yeah. The... Yeah, the Scooby Doo <laughs> shot. You know, I don't know. It was just it was just really fun and interesting and different and it wasn't out to destroy the world just because for fun or whatever it was because they wanted to sell the planet and i just really loved i just really loved it all it was really 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 good they're just speculators i mean they're just like landlords they just come in and buy stuff up you know ruin people's lives and (laughs) so again rusty davies finger on the pulse you know britain (laughs) but i i remember like how kind of goofy this episode was but like when i think doesn't like the cliffhanger end at like um the press conference that's when they yeah. kind of reveal themselves yeah, and they, they, um, they electrocute yeah everyone in the and room i found that like even though they were kind of goofy and there was the whole line about oh excuse me do you mind not farting when i'm trying to save the earth like that scene actually was quite quite kind of intimidating it's quite mm-hmm. fucked up like they were obviously weird looking things but when they when they revealed themselves and they you know electrocute everyone, I was like, oh shit, this is like, this is going to be a good two parter, and I was yeah. really sold on it. I was like jumping up and down in the living room the episode <laughs> when it aired originally. Like I was sold. But to me, these were like, oh, these are like the Daleks. This is like Cybermen. Mm. These are important, and obviously we haven't seen them again other than I think they were in an episode of um like Class or maybe Sarah Jane Adventures. Mm. They do appear in a spin off show. I know that much. And I think what in Rusty Davis's farewell Star Wars bar scene as well, aren't they? They're walking around in the background. Oh, uh, yeah. But it's a shame because they weren't revisited because they're actually quite intimidating. And also, I think they're intimidating because they just looked weird and not what you expect. And then when they do pull this shit, you're like, holy fuck, they mean business. Yeah, they're dickheads. I love them. So that's a good pick, Jason. I like it. Thank you. I, I remember vividly watching this at home at my mum's house this time and my mum hadn't seen Doctor Who probably since the mid 80s <laughs> way before I I was probably a child and it was probably on and she never got on with it and I don't think most people did but and she was laughing she was like are you seriously enjoying this I remember it to this day she went are you actually enjoying this and I turned around and I said this is fun this <laughs> But and she was like, "It's just men in suits." I was like, "I know, but that's what she makes it fun." <laughs> yeah, it's it's like, but I think that added to the charm. I think it was an intentional callback to what had gone before. You know, people, stunt men in ropey suits emerging from the seafront and terrorizing some <laughs> seaside town. And yeah, I just I thought it was great, and the fart humor. It does get a bit too much, but when you get the context of it in the end, yeah. where they're like, isn't it? Aren't they sulfur-based life forms yeah. or something? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, with the vinegar. And yeah, Mickey throws well, the thing of vinegar, over it, yeah. and it, and it just blows up. <laughs> it's boom. <laughs> so I just love that he had pickled eggs in his cupboard. I'm like, dude, come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fucking vinegar, Jesus Christ! I remember now. Oh my god. <laughs> 
but it was it was good like we had all this humor but yet again they still managed to bring in the the tension i guess as well you know mm-hmm. because yet again yes they were trying to destroy us so they said it but it was because you know they 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 were doing all this so the UN would release the codes for the nuclear weapons and everything. And I guess that was the you know in in the in the second episode of, the, of this story in World War Three. That's what that was their aim. And there was tension, you know. And we we had the Doctor and we had Mickey. Mickey was doing all hacking into like government systems. Oh, I love that Mickey the idiot. The future of the world is in your hands. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and that was real tension there, you know. They, he 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 set off that missile, and and we were watching the missile go through London and everything. And yeah, it was just yeah, really good tension in there as well. So we had all the humour again, and and the flatulence and the and, and everything else. But there was there was that tension as well there because I couldn't pick the empty child because Rich got there before me as well. Chris, don't worry. That would have been an interesting deep dive, wouldn't it? All of us yeah. talking about the same two parter. <laughs> Aliens of London and World War Three. Um, yeah. It's, mind but it's funny we both pick uh two parters as the best yeah, yeah. very true yeah but definitely honorable mention i think for all of us for a dalek though it seems yeah. at mm. this point it seems like oh yeah dalek story but then it was like oh shit dalek story it was also uncertain wasn't it if the daleks were actually going to appear because terra nation's estate were being pedantic pieces of shit about the whole thing weren't they yeah they didn't appear in the tv movie so the last time they appeared anywhere was the comet relief special no, Chris, you hear them at the start of the TV movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, 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 that weird kind of synthesized voice. Like, it's like, what the hell is this? Like... How, can we, how can we make it sound like that, but without pissing off Terry Nation's estate? Okay. But yeah, it was, it was, Dalek was one of my choices, um, but it kind of won out to the Doctor Dances because I think it's a better episode narratively. Dalek is okay, but yeah, the first time we'd seen a proper Dalek in a proper Doctor Who episode was an event, and then they mm. just became boring because they're in every two or three episodes. It's like, oh, God, yeah. here we go again. <laughs> but yeah, Dalek's fantastic. All right, chaps. Obviously, like at the end of all our episodes, we have to give a verdict and a score to go on the board from above. So mm. we've got to do this with Series 1 of Doctor Who. An overall rating for the whole series or our episodes? Uh, for the for the whole series. Ooh. Oh, the plot thickens. Mm. So, Chris, you want to start us off? I would say that this show came out of the gate running and did it so well. The fact that it had so much backlash before the cameras even rolled, Russell being the ever lovely person that he is, was like, don't listen to any of it. They rolled out the first episode and it was a hit. And then I think it was hit after hit after hit. I don't think there's a dud Chris Truxton episode. They all have their strengths. I I think that they made sure that this first series was going to be an event and they pulled it off. And there are a few hokey moments, but the moments that stick with me are the deepest they've ever delved into the Doctor's psyche, where when he holds Rose's hand and tells him that he can feel the earth spinning and we're clinging to this rock. It's just so ethereally affecting that you decide, wow, you to convey that he's an alien who is, who can perceive things that only we can dream about was cementing that in such an early moment in the first episode. 
that by the time you get to the last episode, you've got that little seed planted and it's been growing for that 13 episodes all the way through. Mm. And it adds to that mystique that he he's not an all-knowing person, but he has been everywhere. And, and it, yeah, it's just... It was very well executed, and I think it's going to be a nine for me, nine point five. I'm going for that because over the years I've respected it more and more. The older I get, the more jokes I notice, the more small touching moments that I notice, and it just gets better every time. You realise as you get older what they were doing at such an early point in its revival, and yeah, I just. I mean, my overall verdict of this series of Doctor Who is just is way up there because of many reasons, and a lot of them I've already said on the episode, from the uh, amazing stories that they told us through the humour and the tension and the drama, all mixed together really well. It was it was so strongly written; it just gripped you, and want, you wanted to see what what they could do next. And when you mix in the the great acting from Eccleston and and Piper and the su- supporting cast, you know, it it was and Russell T, obviously, you know, spearheading it all. It was it was just a magical a magical mix of people coming together and and creating this series that was just really strong. And you know, personally, like I said at the beginning, you know, saying where I wasn't into Doctor Who, I just thought. I didn't. I didn't think it was a show worth of my time. And then to give it a shot and falling in love with it, and you know, and for the majority of of the the new who, I was uh, an avid fan of it. I guess when you look back at this particular series and seeing what it spawned, no matter how good or bad it became, you know, we're we're looking on at you know nearly what twenty years. Pushing no, it's, yep. it's been on longer now than it was cancelled for, which is frightening. Yeah. <laughs> but it spearheaded this new Who, and it's still going to this day. That's showing the strength of it, I guess, and and the 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 fan the fandom that it created from this series. I think it, for me personally, probably going to be a nine point three for myself, just for those reasons. So yeah, that's for me. Looking back now, going back to this series, I forgot how much I loved it. I think when we got into the Tenant era, it was easy to get really swept up in you know how much people loved Tenant, and then later on, the way more convoluted kind of self-important stylings of like Stephen Moffat, and it became more like fandom television. It felt more it was getting more nerdy again. It wasn't as approachable and accessible as the Eccleston run and I think I kind of bought into it I thought yeah I feel like I'm part of something really important and you know deep and the writing's really 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 just mind-blowing and it's doing something that's much better than the sort of simplistic stylings of that first series of Eccleston and now going back to it revisiting it I realized just how much more actually enjoyable overall it is it just feels like a nice, warm, accessible slice of television. Every Saturday night, I was so excited for it, from Rose all the way through to, I totally forgot the name of the finale now, um, Parting of the Ways, that's it. I just loved it. I loved it. 
And I was even one of those people. Sometimes I got a little bit harsh on Rusty Davies, and I thought, oh, he's. It feels a bit dumbed down. But now I look back at it, and I see how cynical we've got with some of the other showrunners following him. And you don't realize what you've lost until it's gone. I'm ready again for that yeah. era of Rusty Davies. Yeah, making mm. the show what he did the first time round with Eccleston with Tennant. And yeah, this show's just lovely. And I'm looking forward to going back again and watching all the episodes. For me, I'm going to give this show a nice, this series, this first series, a nice 9.4. It just scratches so many itches for me. It's funny. It does some great horror. It's emotional. I mean, episodes like Father's Day, Say No More. It just does everything you could want. And it's Saturday night light entertainment at a time where even then we were kind of looking back at Saturday Night TV as like, oh yeah, remember Saturday Night TV? You know, in like the mid late nineties, and there we were again. We had this thing that we could kind of cling on to and look forward to every Saturday night after dinner. Fantastic! I just yeah, brilliant bit of television. I'm so happy it's back. I'm still happy it's still going, mm-hmm. um, and I'm really excited for the next RTD era. So okay. Um, as Steve is not here, but you know we we still need to put a hypothetical score for him. What should we? What would Steve give this series of Doctor Who? Three point seven. I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh shit! Bring back Chibnall. <laughs> oh. I reckon Steve will give this somewhere around like a high eight, a low nine. I reckon. I, I had eight point eight in my head. I think that's fair. I think that's what you give it, don't you? Yeah. 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 Well, if we if we give it that score, it, it ends bang on 37. Okay. Bang on 37, which puts it just under Firefly on the board. Wow. Um, between, <laughs> wow. Um, in between Firefly and Speed. Can I change, um, can I change Steve's score to a 10? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we get it by Firefly. <laughs> Steve loves Doctor Who. Nine point nine. <laughs> give it a twelve. A twelve out of ten. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, Firefly's at thirty-eight point five, and um, yeah. So Doctor Who comes in series one, just comes in. Just under Firefly on thirty-seven. Um, you know, in the future, we, we plan to come back to Doctor Who and uh, have a chat about the, the tenant years as um, they obviously fall into our bracket of the zero. So we'll, we'll surely cover that um, next year at some point and um, we'll have that on the board as well. But um, for this one, that's it. We're, we're at the end. I think we've waffled on long enough about Doctor Who right now. Just look out for the new stuff that's coming up. It all looks really exciting. And, um, you know, and if you want to go back to old Doctor Who, it's all on the iPlayer now, if you're in the UK, or it's all on Disney+, Plus, which is quite crazy, and the rest of the world. But, yeah, no, it's, uh, you should definitely um, should give it a whirl. And the Tales of the TARDIS series, six episodes of it, and they've, they've put together as a, a really good initiative to, to really um, introduce you to some of the older stuff. So, yeah, uh, yeah definitely... 
quite brilliant what I've seen so far. Um, but before you go, I just want to remind you of a few things. Um, we'd really appreciate it if you check out our coffee page where you can go to show your support to us monetarily with a one-off monthly donation. Sorry, a one-off or monthly donation starting from £1. But, you know, times are tough. So if that's not cool right now for you, then a rating or review on your podcasting platform would be amazing. Also, wanted to remind you about our Discord. Uh, please come and come and join it and chat with us about retro or modern day pop culture. If you want links to the Discord or to our coffee page, you can find that plus a lot more at thewolfypod.com. Chaps, um, it's time once more to say goodbye. Goodbye. Lots of planets have a north... Oh God, yeah, brilliant, brilliant. My name is with Jason and you've been listening to What's Wrong With Wolfie, a retro podcast to the max. We'll catch you next time. Take care, goodbye. Barking.